Hello and welcome to the 114th episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developers themselves, and the second half discusses the game they here promote, which in this case is actually three games. The first being Agricola, uh, All Creatures Big and Small, then La Havre, or La Havre, I can't pronounce it, uh, the Inland Port, and finally Patchwork, and all three of these games are by Digidiced. So, Felix, who Hi. are you? Who are you, sir, and what do you do? Well, um, my name is Felix Dreyfus, and I am the CEO of Digitized. But since I mean we're a four-man team, so that doesn't really mean much. Uh, I basically handle the business side of things, and I handle also all the logic programming for our team. Really, that's perfect because I've got a question for you later on, <laughs> uh, based on my. Quite lengthy experience with all three games, I'm happy to say. Both in analogue and digital formats. So, um, yeah, you've got, a, you've got a wild ride on your hand. But anyway, that aside, we'll come on to the second half when we talk about uh, those three games. Uh, they are very special, everyone. It's a very special episode. This like Every episode's special, but this one's just as special as the others. <laughs> We've answered the first question. Well done, Felix. The second question is, how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games? Oof. Uh, well, um, basically, I've always known I wanted to make games. So I've made games uh, always, every time I had the opportunity at school, at the university, everywhere. And I had the luck of having a best friend, Simon, who uh, I've known since we were 10 and who had the same idea. And we started together, and right off the university, that was eight years ago, we built a company that made games. And we started doing what uh, everybody, every newbie does at the beginning, which is a mistake, but they do it every, anyway. We did a game which was much too big for us. We wanted to do a massively multiplayer uh, strategy game. You wanted to build World of Warcraft. I'm like, yeah, no, can't, can't do that. Don't, of course. Please, please stop. Don't, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so we spent four years making a cross-platform, massively multiplayer, turn-based strategy game, and it worked. So we got into the Alpha Stadium, and then we ran out of money. So we stopped. And uh, we did a few, a bit of work on games for other companies because uh, everybody needs uh, servers, programmers, and that's what we learned during that game. Mm-hmm. And basically, a year ago, we were about to give up because working for other companies wasn't really what we wanted to do at the start. Yes, and uh, then, I can, sorry to interrupt there. That's a very, yeah. very important stepping stone. I found a lot here. A lot of developers do, you know outsource their work to fund their own projects yeah exactly it's like, it's like it's all a cannibalistic sort of thing going yeah I, i'm going to play on a hello kitty game that's yeah. fine <laughs> i have no interest in this whatsoever but it's gonna pay my bills my mortgage and to feed my cat so let's do this uh and then you but uh, sorry i interrupted it's it's, it's, yeah. it's very tricky to actually earn enough and have enough energy to actually work on your own game mm. at the same time. Yes. yes. So we were about to give up when we met uh, Uwe Rosenberg, 
or we met someone who's friends with him. And nice. Uwe Rosenberg is this great board game designer who, who designed basically all the games that I played as a kid. Uh, Agricola, Bonanza, and all these um, yeah, great... Yeah, Bonanza is one of my favorite games. <laughs> Although, yeah. quick tip, everyone, right? When, when if, you, if you play Bonanza with a person who plays Magic the Gathering, it's very important, you have to forcibly stop them from shuffling, trying to stuff shuffle their cards. They can't yeah. help themselves. They pick up the cards and they start to shuffle. What are you doing? Um, just please stop that. If you're going to do that, <laughs> we have to do the cards again. Like, even though you tell them not to do it, they're like, they're like you have to grab the cards out of the hand and rip it out of them. It's quite, it's quite funny. Cause it's, a habit, the, yeah. it's a habit that's hard to lose. Yeah, I mean, magic requires you to sort your cards out. Otherwise, how can you play? And you go, no, please don't. <laughs> because that's the whole point of Bonanza. You can't move your cards. <laughs> anyway, sorry. So, how did how did that happen? Was it through a mutual friend? Yeah, basically, it was uh, through a mutual friend who's now uh, also part of our four man team. Well, part two, two friends actually who uh, who met Uwe um, at the board game convention, and uh, he told them, "Well, I have all these board games, and I want someone to make apps out of them." And that someone was us. So we ditched our old company and made a new one and that was a bit more than a year ago that's and impressive considering these games have only just arrived so you've only been working on these just for over a year is that right yeah we've been uh, we're uh, the four of us have been working non-stop now for um about 16 months that's that's just stunning i mean the quality of the games is all three of these games, by the way, everyone, are out on mobile. I, I, they're on iOS. I'm not sure if they're on Android as well. Forgive me, Felix. Are they too? I can't remember. They're, um, actually, that was one of our big, big things at the beginning. We wanted to be cross-platform everywhere, so they're oh. even on Windows Phone. <gasps> <laughs> Is that even a platform anymore? I don't know. <laughs> um, so that's that's fascinating. I mean, you say cross-platform. Is it on Apple TV as well or not? You haven't got that? Um, not quite. We're not quite there yet. I mean, it's... No. Uh, Basically, because we can't afford the hardware. <laughs> oh, right, okay. But uh, but it, it could be, and it's uh, in yeah. And Le Havre just got out on Steam, like you said at the beginning, I think. Mm. And they all have a cross-platform multiplayer, which is a big plus. Yeah, well, it's kind of yeah. It's it's a needed thing with these games, but we're rushing ahead of ourselves, Felix. Because sorry, that's fine. <laughs> no, I like that. It's good. So, um, my next question is probably a hugely obvious one. Um, to respond to but I'm going to ask it anyway so and it's a very open-ended question a lot of developers sort of squirm at it going how am I supposed to respond to this but I'm going to help you along what are your biggest influences as a creator you know as as a creator of things what do you think inspires you the most or not inspires you but influences you the most well for what we're doing with digitized obviously it's other board games or I mean most of I mean the board games we're working with are obviously the biggest influence on, on, on each of the projects. But in general, I guess it's um, different. It's other media. I mean, it's, 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 if I would say other games and only other games, they would be lying. I mean, it's, you get your influence from watching movies, from reading books, from anything when, I, you, when you work on your own project. I say this to people a lot, that if you want to create things, read. And it, yeah. just, just freaking read good bad good books bad books just read and you know you get I mean, this this they're so they're the cheapest form of entertainment aren't they really? yeah just 
just put a lot of content in your head and at some point something else will pop out. Yes, you get inspired by and also reviled, um, you know, like, oh, God, that's terrible. But, you know, at least you know it's terrible. You know why it's terrible. It's, it's powerful, isn't it? When you're sitting there reading a bit of text and you go, yeah, that's, that, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I, I've said this before and I get a lot of pushback on it, but I just don't like the Harry Potter books because they're badly written. They're not edited. And uh, she doesn't, J.K. Rowling, bless her, she's, she's usually successful, but she's bad, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and uh, she doesn't really follow the rules of narration, character building, none of it. It's just rubbish. Uh, and uh, I can't read them. I just can't, can't do it. I'm such a snob. Like, I can't do this. I've tried over and over again. Like, nope, this is a terrible book. I'm just like, uh, ugh. And she, you know, she made a great world. She did make a fantastic world, but the way she described it is just poor. Um, so, you know, I just go back to, you know, the classics <laughs> and stuff. I like good structure and narrative. And, I mean, there's all very, uh, anyway, stuff. But, um, no, you're right. I think also another valid answer is simply the universe itself, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But it's uh, it's less easy to, um, I guess, imagine what you mean when you answer something like that. Indeed. It's a bit of a catch-all. Like, what do you mean? Well, I don't know. <laughs> the dirt under my left fingernail. No, you're just being, <laughs> you're just being esoteric. Like, well... <laughs> okay well it's a good answer it's a good answer um so the next question um is who what developer in the industry do you most admire and why hmm um can be a company not a person so you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings okay well (laughs) on the top of my head i guess i'd say paradox interactive nicely done sir because uh they have been doing the same thing for years and they weren't successful with it when they started. Not at all. At all. You and were... they just kept at it until they got great at it and now they're super successful. Yeah. I mean, that's... yeah they've been on the show early, early episode uh, and I was a bit starstruck, I've got to say, because they were... You're right, they just stuck their guns. They just wouldn't let go. They're like a, yeah. they're like a Jack Russell. It's, once they clamped on, it's like, no, we're going to do this. And everyone around was going... Please stop doing this. No one wants this. Like, no, trust us. They do, and yeah, they they. It took them a while. It's got to be said. I mean, a long time to get it right, but they did it eventually, didn't they? You know, everything they make now is great. Mm. I mean, they have the form, they got the formula right. Yeah, I like Stellaris. <laughs> yeah, damn it, I like that game. <laughs> I like creating my uh, my benevolent empire of space slugs. I'm sorry, I like it. You know, they're, they're, they're nice people. At least I'd think, like to think so. We're, you know, we're just spreading our love for our, our spores. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I do love making... That's, emerging gameplay is a, is a wonderful thing. And yeah. uh, uh, it happens in board games too. Not as obvious, but it does happen. You and I know this. And, yeah. uh, but games like, you know, the, just to create stories and create universes and exist in those universes... And playing those universes is one of the main reasons why I like playing video games and board mm-hmm. games too, because board games have their own realm as well, especially um, the games we're going to talk about today and also other games maybe. Because this leads me on to my next question. And, you know, it's it's uh, it's uh I've just done a segue, which is pretty good, but unfortunately I've now called it a segue, which means it isn't <laughs> one. 
anymore. Um, so the question is, and it's my favourite question because it gives me a hint. It doesn't, but I like to think it does. It gives me a hint about what you're working on next. Again, it never does. Um, but what are you playing right now? Well, okay, that ties in with the last answer I gave because yeah. um, I am playing. Um, I'm switching between Hearts of Iron Four and Crusader Kings Two. Wow, which are my total time sinks. Right, yeah. Um, there's a friend of mine. It's on a other great podcast called uh, Games of Jobs. Um, Sean Sands, and he's he's sunk about over 1,200 hours into Europa Universalis. But yeah, been... I did also uh, 200 hours in there, and <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you get you get on really really well with this man. Uh, <laughs> he's he's a huge Paradox fan. He's he's has issues with Stellaris, but uh, I've had to explain to him that the way to to play that game is just to invest yourself into the realm of the story that you're creating, uh, which is kind of spoon fed to you with the other games, in my humble opinion. Um, yeah. And but um, Hearts of Iron Four, though, what a corker! What a great game yeah. that is. Yeah. <laughs> Do, yeah. Why why are you playing that? Give us a give us, give, share with the audience about this game. What do you what do you think of it? What do you make of it? Why am I playing that? Mm. I don't know because it's fun, I guess. I, I like you describe tinkering. it to us so that the audience know what it is. I know what it is. Okay. Well, basically um you start in 1936 mm-hmm. and you pick any country in the world and you try to uh, win uh, slash survive the Second World War. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- there's a thing. Um, you try to win the Second World War. Um, can you change history? Yeah, that's actually one of the fun part about it. Um, being... Um, a French person, of course, the first thing I did was trying to uh, not surrender as France, which when you don't know the game is uh, impossible, and when you know it, it's fairly easy to do, oh, so it's really? fun. How successful have you been with with France uh, be, being a uh, offensive power member of the Allies? Not that they weren't originally, uh, but they were. if you don't, they must be even more formidable than they were during the Second World War. Yeah, I mean, if you, um, it takes a bit, I mean, if you're a Paradox Games fan and you, you, and you used to play the other ones where France is always this big power where everybody's afraid of, mm. it's a bit of, um, of a change of pace. Yeah. Because if you don't do everything correctly, German will just walk all over you. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, Wonder War with France happened. <laughs> and I know people who like conquer the world in France, that happens. Or I mean or Switzerland for the, for that matter. So right. you can do anything with that game. That's what's what I really like about it. Yeah, because it does set it I mean, you know, United Kingdom has its uh, benefits. I mean I would do that. Uh, like, oh okay, let's just try this again. Let's recreate this again. Make sure we get Americans on board. <laughs> Come on a little bit earlier forty one Come on! Oh, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> you know, that, I'll do that kind of thing. I'll just accelerate things. Um, it's odd. Britain had a uh, had its empire at that point, but it was falling apart, wasn't it? Um, it's interesting. I mean, France had a lot of these huge empires. Oh, it was French Indonesia and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, Britain definitely had its empire. But like I said, it all fell away after the Second World War. So fascinating stuff. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I, that's what I'll do. I'll try, and then maybe sort of see how quickly or more efficiently I could do it with Russia. You know? <laughs> so, sure. Because they, they actually did it 
got there first, didn't they? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, T thirty four tanks, they're massive. Um, I went to um, so that was the main tank force for, for the Russians, weren't they? They had these massive tanks, didn't they? They were even larger than the German tanks, and um, yeah, they weren't so there weren't so many, were there? I don't know. No, there probably were more more than because they could they could produce them, but. Um, I actually went to PAX West uh, last couple of weeks ago, and they um, um, World of War tanks. They were doing this big display rather than having a booth inside. They just had people driving massive tanks around, crushing things. <laughs> Great PR. Yeah, they just don't care anymore. They don't need the money anymore. They just don't <laughs> care. So they had people driving around up and down, just crushing things in a T thirty four tank. It's massive. Um, so well, yeah. we're talking about it, so it worked. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See, well done. Um, so anyway, but thanks for that. I mean, Paradox are a, a fantastic uh, developer, and they do do some very brave things. I mean, I've been playing the Hearts of Iron games for years. I remember one, two, and three. I've actually got a whole, all of them in one disc, which I bought. Isn't to add. Um, <laughs> they, they they do that. They they release them in bumper packs and like you know. Uh, gold collection and like all of the games and it's fantastic um but uh no it's it's that's a really good um any board games you want to talk about because after all we you know we're talking about board game uh crossover so what what any board games you're playing at the moment hmm but basically once you start making games about board games you you don't really have time to play them for in your free time anymore oh that's interesting um because you're working on them the whole day, so I'm... You'd rather like, not play them, no matter what they are. That's interesting. It's not the not playing it. It's since I'm in charge of the of the logic of all the game, I read and reread the manuals right. a thousand times. And uh, in, in my board game group, um, I'm usually the one reading the rules, and now I just don't want to anymore <laughs> in my free time, so... <laughs> interesting. My, my board game group, as a, as, a, as a verb to describe the event... Of when you deliver a rule, where you carry out an action, you deliver, and then you carry out an action without people knowing that they could do that. You know, it's called it's being crisp. Basically, I'm teaching people the game, and then I do something and go, "Oh yeah, you can do this thing," <laughs> which I'm now about to do, which gives me a huge advantage over everyone else. And yeah. then I was going, "Why didn't you?" Oh, I just forgot. <laughs> so, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> So they call it being Christ. It's being, it's a verb. Like, you've been Christ, and actually have like they go, oh, you've been Christ hard. He just, he just dies. And they, even when not, I'm not even teaching the game, they will be playing a game and they go, someone's been Christ. Like, <laughs> so yeah, I can, I can appreciate that. Do you rather not take your work home with you? And, yeah. Uh, grand strategy games like, um, like Europa Universalis and Crusader Kings two can't really realistically be made into a board game you may disagree no. but i don't think you really can um there's been efforts they've been they've tried i mean look at civilization the original board game that was ultimately those kind but that's it's not quite not even it's not you know you'd never be able to properly sure. recreate and, 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 and you look at some some kickstarter board games who do some massive games for which they sell for 200 bucks which uh, which really try to do like massive things but but then why not uh, why not a computer game i mean yeah. if if you want to do something that big just play it on a computer yeah just like and you yeah, 200 dollars no one plays them <laughs> because they <laughs> yeah. take 15 hours to play 
And, you know, yeah. no, no. You know, it's just oh, rubbish. So, yeah, I mean, I've only ever played Twilight Imperium four times in my life. There's a reason for that. <laughs> and every time you have to read the rules again because you forgot them. <laughs> yeah. Game takes ten hours and you have to reread the rules. <laughs> Dumb. Yeah. Anyway, but it's a great game. It is. I'm planning to have another game uh, this autumn. Again, this nebulous time of autumn. Don't know when. Yeah. Sometime when I can get enough people together, willingness to st- stick around the same board for ten hours. <laughs> sure. Is that... Yeah. Exactly. It's hard. It's a hard sell. Do you want to play a game? Yeah. Sure. How long does it take? Ten hours. Where are you going? <laughs> That's basically the conversation. Please come back. Okay. Don't. Probably a good idea. Yeah, right. no, I, I'm I'm misusing my my board game group to uh, test potential next board games to convert to implement. Yes. Oh, there's there's a raft of them out there. Uh, some have <laughs> yeah. done it better than others. Um, I actually like the Eclipse conversion. Not bad. It's not bad. I mean, it's a little bit fiddly, but works better on the iPad. But anyway, hmm. let us move on to the second half of the show. Where we do in talk about your your efforts into um, converting Agricola, all creatures big and small, La Havre, uh, the inland port, and patchwork. So, Felix, tell us about these three games, if you can summarise them reasonably. Okay, Um, well, let's try to start with what they have in common. Um, They're all board games. Mm -hmm. They're all by uh, Uwe Rosenberg, which is, um, I would say, a very successful German board game author. Yes, he's actually I'm living out of it, which is very unusual. (laughs) Yeah, most most board game developers and creators don't actually make any money at all. Um, they just do. No, they're all teachers. They're all teachers, or they do it for the love of it, you know, which is great and it's lovely. And they all go to Essen and they go and they have their little booth and they got. Do you want to like to buy them buy my game? Yes, normally is the answer. <laughs> that question, but um, so but yes, they are all these glorious, celebrated games. Um, especially Agricola, my my club plays that. Um, Competitively, but this is not the same Agricola. This is the two-player version. These are all two-player games, are they not? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and these are one of them is a worker placement. Well, no, all three of them. Sorry, two of them are worker placement games. One of them is a pattern developing game, isn't it? You yeah. Know, you have to exactly. Create patterns using a patchwork of of hence the name of of um, how can I put it. Fabrics. There's like segments of fabrics made up of various Patch, shapes. Patchwork, yeah. And a patchwork, yes. Yeah, I'm trying to sort of explain to the listeners that uh, it's an extraordinary game. You highly recommend it. It is a two, lovely two player game. One on one, just uh, you 
both trying to compete to fill out a square box of um, of uh, a patchwork of uh, fabric to you know whoever's got the most pieces and that sort of thing wins. Whereas Agricola, all creatures big and small, Lahav, the Inland Port, are variants of the original bigger board games, which are far more complex than these downsized sort of say downsized sort of um, streamlined. It's not dumbed down in any way. Trust me, <laughs> uh, but it is streamlined. There's a there's a point where it's a it's a it's a turn two players. It's very 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 fast compared to the um, the the bought the the uh, larger you know um, variants of these games. So uh, my first question to to you, and by all means, listeners, just go out and do some research on these particular games because there's three games here. We could talk in detail about each is played, but. I think that would be unfair. We can say that Agricola and uh, Lahav, the, I'm sorting in the names for those two, um, they are worker placement games ultimately, and they are games that you have to get the most points at the end of a certain period of rounds. Uh, that's the only similarity between them. <laughs> well, all, all three games are actually, um, I guess, economic Economics games yes, where yes, you and you have a you have a very very short time to make the best out of it and you never really achieve uh, what you wanted you just have to make the best of it. I mean even even patchwork is although we often described it as competitive Tetris I guess it has has a has an economics component in it because because some patches give you income for the rest of the game to buy other patches. But if you buy expensive patches too early, you break your economy and then your, the other player can just completely mow you down by just finishing his patchwork before you can, before you can get income. So, so Uwe likes to um, disguise um, some nice statistically and economics games in, into those packages like uh, let's make a patchwork out of texture but but it's 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 those are very tricky strategy games yes yes i i the thing about patchwork is it comes across as the simpler of the three it's not no <laughs> it initially the actual rules are very much simpler than the other two but it's actually deeper <laughs> in, yeah. in many many regards <laughs> trust me i've had my Almost threw my phone against the wall sometimes. Like, no, come on, it's not fair. <laughs> but um, so this is a more sort of so these questions, everyone, are going to be about sort of they're kind of high level, but they're about all three games. So first thing is they all have one thing in common that they are all, all two-player variants. Well, two of them are two-player variants of a, of a larger board game. Um, the patchwork has always been. A two-player game. There's no like larger pl- version of it. But what do you find? What have you found the most appealing aspect of making two-player board games? What versus the larger? What, what do you personally get the most out of those? Well, um, we've always had competitive online game in mind when we made the games, and um, that's just for um, for. I mean, for mobile games where people just spend very little time in one session, if you add more than two players, um, people tend to wait a long time before it's their turn. And, I mean, you can play 
as many games as you want in parallel and, and that's fine and, and then people who want to play a lot just play more games and that's how um, they get their their, um, their dose of the game that they want but if you have more than two players um, and the chance of having a very slow player in every game just increases dramatically yeah you got the analysis paralysis problem yeah um, which you know my cop some well, my copy of Eclipse, sorry to detract onto another game, but bear with me, there's a relevance to this. I have an egg timer in my copy of Eclipse. So people have three minutes to do their turn. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just put him in front of it, you've got three minutes. But no, you've got. I'm not going to be here for nine hours. Three minutes. <laughs> so that gives, it's, it's, you know, some people think it's rude, but honestly, I just want to get the game going. And that game suffers terribly from analysis paralysis. Um, so I go, nope, you've got three minutes. And if you make a mistake, well, sorry, you can just blame it on the timer. <laughs> but the two-player game suffers less from that, you think? Well, it's not that they suffer, suffer less from that, but um, I mean, we give 24 hours to every, for every turn to every player because I mean, people have lives and some people just play once a day and, and right. they need to be able to play. But um, if you give 24 hours to every player and there's five players in your game worst case scenario you have to wait five days for your next turn <laughs> five year game of regret <laughs> how long have you been playing that was well, year seven now yeah so so we we we've actually just added uh another mode um since we've gone to pc with with port, we've updated the game to add a, a three minute pattern um much like uh, you're doing uh, with your group uh, version um, and so that's also possible mm. but um, that's like, at the beginning we, we weren't on PC so yeah it's a bit like it's a bit like speed chess isn't it <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> so um, yeah that's so you, you the the immediacy of the one on one interaction you and also the fact that it's a it's a a game that is only played against one other, so it reduces the lag time between each turn. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and there's a bunch of other things like uh, matchmaking. Finding two players who are of equal uh, strength is easier when there's just two um, compared to like five for most other board games. That being said, our next game is a five-player game. Uh, so we're um, we're going to expand on uh, on that rule we had up to now. Ooh, tease. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my next question is one thing I've always been intrigued, and I don't know many developers who make board game incarnations uh, onto video. So this might be a predictable question. I apologise for that, but I just want to know this. What are the core aspects of tabletop games have you been able to optimize in the digital version? What bits, what and parts of it that are generally quite messy have you managed to go, you know what, we don't have to worry about this because it's a digital form? Well, um, mostly, basically everything a computer does better than a person. Uh, keeping track of things, um, uh, you don't have 1,000 pieces and you don't have a rule that you could forget. Um, oh yeah or just add it in laugh yeah exactly yeah, you can't be Chris you can't be Chris <laughs> <Go on. laughs> um, and um, 
So it's yeah, it sounds like the obvious, but I just want to draw out of you that there's this aspects of keeping track of resources and items. Exactly, and um, calculating the score. Uh, that was actually something that we debated a long time when we implemented it. Do we want to show the total score of each player uh, all the time? Because uh, in the in board games, often it's part of the experience to see something your opponent doesn't and um and then win by him just being blind to it yeah and often that's uh that maybe you're in the lead with the scores and stuff like that but um so that we had a long debate about should we show the score the, uh, the actual momentary score of both players at all times and we decided to put in because uh, that's also something that you could just calculate in your head then if it's something you can calculate in your head then let's just have the computer do it that was quite disarming for me when i started playing the game because it's not it's not you, what you do in the paper version or the analog version if you will at all uh at least i don't i, I just go well oh, that looks like probably a good idea to exploit some points let's try that i know i'll buy a pig <laughs> yeah. Um, so you just buy a pig and then you start singing the spider pig song and start moving around. Um, but, you know, it's just um, that was quite shocking because what you do, what I found myself is my game of the analog game actually gets better by playing this because it actually optimizes and, and tells you on the screen all the time, like, well, if you do that, you're going to get minus points or you do this, this will add your points and what have you. And it's sort of just real-time updating of, of points. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, really impressed with that. Actually, Uwe um, um, got beat for the first time by some of his co-workers after they started playing Patchwork. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> after they started playing the app, they got so good at it that they started beating Uwe himself. So. Yeah, it's like, it's just, just not fun. Please it was quite that. an achievement for us. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. So my next question then is really about not playing against others because all these games do have the ability to play against the computer, so we say, or some people call AI, which you and I know is a bit of a misnomer. Mm -hmm. If it really was sentient, we'd all be dead. So, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm just having a violent flashback of terrible sci-fi films. But um, when developing the AI opponents, let's call them that, uh, for for all three games, how have you found emulating a human player? It's, it's the biggest struggle, I find. Do they ever make mistakes? Or do they slavishly follow a point-generating engine at any cost? Um, they do what computers do best as well as they can. So basically, if I take Patrick, for example, the computer will automatically find, um, I mean, I'm talking about the hard AI here. We have three different um, levels in each game, but the hard one is always the more interesting one to program. And that will just brute force through all the positions you can place the piece and find the best one. So those, so that, those are the things that uh, the computer will just use all his capacities to do. And but strategy-wise, uh, basically um, the AI will only ever be as good as I am because I'm giving it my strategies. Or in case of Agricola, because I'm such a bad player, strategies of players who are better than me, and then I emulate those strategies inside the AI. Yeah, I'm profoundly bad at Agricola. <laughs> I've played it over and over and over, 
And every time I get distracted by something shiny, I can't read the board. I just can't. <laughs> so I can't can't see the opening. You know, people can you know in order to play that game well, you have to see three or four moves ahead at the very least. I can barely see one. You know, I'm like, oh, there's some wood over there. I think I'll have that. You don't need the wood. <laughs> just grab it in because there's a huge pile of it. Oh, I might as well have that. No, no what do you do? Never mind. You know, and it's just. Uh, I, 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 these games really help me in that regard. You know, yeah. optimize, think about the, the number crunching and the, and the proper optimizing and creating your your self sustaining points engine. That's what's really important about these games. You have to create a points engine which is sustainable and also pretty much immune from attack, which is an extraordinary thing to achieve. And I've seen it happen. I'm sure you have too. In fact, it sounds like you've built your AI and analog the the the. Um, the um, the maths behind those is to create what I've just described. A, a points engine is self-sustaining and can withstand assault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Assault being basically taking away actions that you would need to take in order to maintain your points engine. Exactly, to, taking away options. Uh, exactly, because you know the thing about um, these games is that many people criticize the fact that it's a bit it's a bit like solitaire with other people having to be around the only direct influence they can have against you is deny you the chance of doing something you'd like to do <laughs> that's like, true but i but i want to make a baby well you can't i did it <laughs> i want to buy a pig well no you can't now i got it Right, I have to do something else now, and that's basically the game. You know, you have to you you plan ahead, but unfortunately, your plans are scuppered by other people. <laughs> <laughs> like in life, like in life, it's just incredible. It's what I tell people: like, look, we don't have any direct interaction with each other. The only interaction we have is this board in the middle where we're fighting over things, the right to do something. And Agricola was one of the earliest examples of this, wasn't it? The the right, the worker placement, the placement of a of a, a genuine person from your farm into an area and go, you now have the right to do something. And La Havre is the same thing. You you get your port workers and you go, now you have the right to take that gold or now you have the right to take that, 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 that meat. Uh, you now have the right to buy that boat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's just like sometimes you just, you just can't do it, and it's um, fascinating, fascinating con- construct. Uh, Patchwork doesn't really have this construct, of course. It's like no, but you can get in the way of the other player much, much more heavily in Patchwork than yeah. in in any other Uwe game. I mean, it's it's such a light and and funny theme. Like, build. Let's build a, a patchwork blanket to, with with patches, but. But it's such a cutthroat game. It's vicious. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a, people say, oh, oh, this looks nice, warm and fuzzy. Um, you might not want to play this. <laughs> do, you want, do you like warm and fuzzy things? Well, yes. You, you go, get out. <laughs> just, just leave the table now. Sever that or you're going to flip it. You're going to flip this table. I wouldn't blame you. Anyway, um, my last question for you. This is like, again, applies to all three games. And it's something I find fascinating when someone's taking a game from a very different realm, and I think it's a very different realm, into the digital realm. And what have you done, basically? How much have you done to make it more video game versus board game in terms of presentation? And where, how much of the line do these, video, do these games that you've made straddle? 
how much have you just simply replicated the board game experience versus let's make a video game? Okay, so uh, that's actually a very good question. Um, when we convert a game, we like the most important thing for us is we have to stay absolutely one hundred percent true to the rules. So those are you can't change that. You can't you can you can't start doing some game design thing and adding a few variables or, or game modes. Yeah, there's no house rules, and there's no exactly and again, no there's house no rules. Being Chris, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, the very tricky part is um, the screen space. I mean, doing board games which sometimes spawn, span the whole table on a very small mobile display is very difficult. I mean, when we started out, we we looked a bit at, at other uh, board game implementations. We were, of course, not the first. And, um, and we just didn't want to go the lazy way of just scanning in the assets and zooming in with pinching motions and having this whole complicated way of playing the game. So so the, one of the hardest parts is to just take all the information and try to cram them into one screen without without having that screen completely go overboard and, um, and then try to convey um, the atmosphere and the theme of the game with all the benefits you can have with a computer game, be it animations or sounds and stuff. And I think with the free games up to now, we've done an okay job. I mean, at least people are happy with it. But we're going to, I mean, as more, the more and more license we get, the more and more they go into those complex games. And it's going to be tricky to get all this into a small iPhone display. So what do you make of these straight simulations? There's Tabletopia, and I think there's, tabletop simulator and stuff. These are very different experiences, of course. Uh, I think they, they cater to a different audience mm. uh, because uh, they don't... I mean, basically... Uh, that's not what I meant by lazily, lazy scanning just no, about no, it. No, I mean, just the audience benefit here. Uh, um, Tabletopia is basically a complete recreation of the board game in a virtual set. None of the rules are tracked. None of, it's just bits. They've pasted, taken all the bits, scanned them in, Put the bits on a ta- virtual tabletop and go. Yeah, off you go. You know, and it's that's, that's not what you do at all. I think that will be great uh, with something like Hololens. And, VR work great. Yeah, VR. Yeah. That will probably be great. It's a bit too soon for that now because yeah. because why would you play a non-assisted computer board game if you can just buy the board game and play it? <laughs> exactly. Well, there are some people out there who haven't got board game groups. Like you and I do. And sure. We don't take them for granted. None of us do. Trust us. We're, we're very precious about a board game. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Felix. You know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Because you know, because it's like there's just one little thing can tip it over the edge. So everyone's fiercely protective of their board game groups. Um, um, and so we we've we've got you know the privilege and the benefit of going. Yes, I can go down the road and play some board games, and that's fine. But there's a lot of people out there, sadly, don't have that. Um, so that's what that's what I believe as an audience for that. Yeah, so. I mean you're right. I mean at the at the same time, uh, if you look at um, that webpage, uh, Roll Twenty, I think it's called, which Roll is 20, yeah. which is the same thing for a role playing game. Yeah, and I've used that already, and it's it's I mean it's great if your role playing group splits up and they're all over the world, and you can yeah. just play with the computer. That's there is definitely. Um, an audience to cater for with yeah. Tabletopia. It's yeah. just not the same one as ours. But going back to your strategy, and I just want to 
really stress this on everyone is that what you've done and what you do really really well is you exploit both mediums you take the good parts of the game and say you see this stuff the mess the stuff that takes time the tedious bit the bit that no one really cares about but you know you need to do let's just put that away (laughs) hide hide that behind some numbers and crunching and spreadsheets you don't have to worry about that now we're just going to give you all the important stuff and now also on top of that we're going to do some whiz band stuff and have great animations and just bring the, the the board to life is that the best way to describe it yeah, plus we teach you the game without you having to read the manual. Mm. That's a plus. I do like the tutorials, especially for Agricola. That was really good. You know, how you... I, you must have spent a long time with that. I, I'm, Those are my two biggest headaches. Yeah. AI, which no matter how good I think it gets, I get backlash for it for every game when it gets out, and I have to feverishly patch it by... Luckily, we have a replay feature, so I can look at the games for our best from our best players and then just copy their strategies, so that's a plus. But that's one of the biggest stress, and the tutorial, of course, being how do you teach a game which, are, which is so complex as Agricola in a time span that is short enough that people which are used to apps stay interested yeah, I mean, for example, I was I switch between a lot of games on my phone. I like doing that. Depends on my mood. I'm sure most people who like the games on their phones do the same. So one minute I'm playing threes, <laughs> next player I'm playing, you know, a great little creatures big and small. Totally different games. One's this really infuriating puzzle game that I still play and I don't know why. And the other one <laughs> is this really depth and enriching and rewarding board game. But, you know, both of them require um, or assume uh, uh, relatively low time periods, not so much um, attention span, because I think that's a bit insulting to the player. It's more like I've only got five, I've only got 20 minutes tops to play this game, uh, and so I need, you know, need to be informed relatively quickly. Exactly. When the, um, what we usually use as a, as a thought image when we when we use when we program all these things and then design them is like well people mostly play these games on toilet breaks so it has so when you play the games you have to be sure that one toilet break is enough to convey enough yeah fun yeah yeah uh, sitting on the throne how yes. many games have we won sitting on the great <laughs> throne um uh yeah i hear you there i don't you know, I tend not to I'm more of a Twitter browser on the throne. But anyway, I'm sharing too much. <laughs> probably, probably explains the kind of stuff I tweet about. Um, but um, no, that's rude. Sorry, everyone. But uh, no, Felix, it's been fantastic having you on. Um, thank you very much for sharing your experiences and your enthusiasm for, for these games. It really does shine through. I'm very happy that you, you and your team have stuck around to make more games because uh, it would be sad if you didn't. And what you've done here is brought some games which quite frankly aren't you know as well known as their larger counterparts into a bigger audience i mean most people know agricola most people know Le Havre and and also patchwork to a lesser degree um but they don't know the the, the smaller games um well excluding patchwork which is a two player game we've established <laughs> um but the smaller game the smaller variants need more prominence because you get a lot of people a lot of friends go you know i'd like to have a two-player game do you know any good two-player games and these are the two i do cite um 
that and um, Hive is another game I sort of like. They're, they're, they're good. They're, mm-hmm. they're really good games for two player. And I'm like, wow, okay. They didn't know they existed. They thought Grickler was this, you know, like Caverna, so this massive game that no one can get their heads around. Well, less Caverna because that's more approachable. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's. Um, it's it's been really really wonderful chatting to you and, and sharing your ideas and and thoughts uh, about your games. So just to be clear, all three of them, as you said, uh, are currently on uh, Android, Windows Phone, which <laughs> and uh, Windows Mobile, which is still a platform apparently, and of course iOS, which is going to be about to be upgraded to ten imminently. I, I see. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. and, and by the end of October, they will all be on Steam as well. So what platforms is it on Steam? Is it Windows? It's uh, Windows. Well, again, all platform. So it's Windows, Mac, and Linux. Excellent. Excellent. I, um, I, I can imagine playing this on a massive screen because I, I have a link box, <laughs> which <laughs> then transfers the stuff onto my massive screen in my living room. So that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, no Steam controller support as of yet, no, but um, but it does. It, yeah, we'll it, get there. You, you'll get there. So, um, thanks very much. Well, th- I'll do- thank you, thank you for having me. I mean, it's, it was a great to uh, to be able to talk about all this. With yeah, you. yeah, you, you seem to got a lot out of it. I hope you hope you did. Uh, and like I said, I wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors, which you hinted at earlier. Very well done. <laughs> and um, yeah. Love to have you back on to chat about that, whatever it is. Uh, and uh, but in the meantime, thank you very much, Felix. Thank you. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review, and you can also don't forget listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com, and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory, and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer, you listen to the show, and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Also, don't forget to check out the Computer Game Show, which is the stablemate podcast, should we say, of spong.com. Bye!